Welcome to Alpine On Air. Have I ever explained the name of this podcast? I don't think I have. It's a podcast about alpine skiing, hence the on air part. The acronym is AOA, as in Alpine Ontario Alpine, and the ON of On Air is capital, as in Ontario. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. If we were playing Scrabble, I would have a triple word score. Of course, we're not playing Scrabble, but uh, speaking of words, I exchanged words with pretty cool guests this week. How do you like that segue? As Larissa will admit herself, her story is tough to nutshell in a simple intro. Many of you probably know it already, but if you don't, I'm actually going to encourage you to pause this for a second, do a Google search of her really quickly, maybe read her website or her blog or some of the other great articles that have been written about her, just to kind of really understand where she's coming from into this conversation because we're going to focus more on her present state of mind and the adventures she's gearing up for in the next chapter, rather than going over what uh, has already happened. Here's my SparkNotes summary, though. Larissa is an incredible athlete. Her resilience perhaps only matched by her resourcefulness in the face of obstacles. But her identity goes much deeper than that. She's also a successful entrepreneur, a mentor to those who look up to her, and in my opinion, just a really authentic woman who has been able to maintain a grounded perspective while her career traveled up and down at literally 120 kilometers an hour. <laughs> Without further ado, here's my conversation with Larissa Yurkia. It was too much fun. Uh-huh. It's very difficult to. Uh, it was difficult to leave. No, it was. I went with Audi. They uh, they asked me to host some clients, some very important people. Right. And so I got the a total other side of the spectrum experience from Saint Moritz and helped other people have an experience and and not it not be so selfish like it is when you're a racer right. and it's all about you. Um, so yeah, we, we did an inspection together. I shed a few tears and then uh, like, that was that. So it was kind of a necessary trip for me. That's cool. How long were you there? Um, for five days, I think. Six, okay. five or six days, yeah. That's cool. Did you see uh, Eric and Manny? And the day I arrived, I came straight from the airport to the party of choice. <laughs> and cool. The Canadians had done really well, so they were really pumped up and had a really brief bite to eat with us but yeah it was a really cool time to arrive because yeah. everyone was all for Canada and Swiss yeah <laughs> naturally good timing for sure yeah um okay here's a question to start off how do you like to be introduced because I uh I've heard you speak twice this year once at the uh AOA education summit and then again at the NSA snowball gala mm-hmm. thing and it, I, for some reason it stood out to me that both times you were introduced as like Olympian Larissa Yurkew coming on the stage. <laughs> That's probably the most recognized label. And yeah. it's, it, for me, it wasn't my biggest accomplishment, but I understand why that's worth introducing like that. I, I'm kind of indifferent, but, um, my story's not really that easy to, to nutshell in an introduction. <laughs> right. <laughs> like my, for me, the accomplishments were more, you know, World Cup podiums and how quickly they happen in the short window, but 
Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm easy. I'm easy. Doesn't matter to you. No. Whatever goes. Yeah. yeah. Just wondering because I hear that a lot. I'm sure, like, when you were, you know, a professional athlete, a lot of your identity probably came from being an athlete. Yeah. But I was wondering how, how that's shifted since retiring. I don't know. Retiring is a weird word to put it. It is a weird word. You're clearly not retired. But, yeah. Um, people get really offended by that when I say it sometimes, like, you're just shifting gears. Right. <laughs> but uh, identity-wise, I mean, yeah, I think all athletes have the the signature labels that come with having devoted your life thus far to being an athlete, like time management and, and, uh, I don't know, setting goals and sticking to them and being resilient and all those good things, work ethic and persistence. But I, I think then it really quickly branches into your individual athletic experience and what sport you're in and what kind of politics you have to handle. And, you know, if you were involved in fundraising, if, your sport was completely taken care of but you know it's uh, yeah. that that's where I think athletes are then set apart but beyond that then now I'm in this whatever you want to call it retirement <laughs> phase and uh, and then it's like imperative that you run with what you were given or what you gained over the years because I think you know in Europe you're forever a ski rock star <laughs> but in North America you're a bomb pretty quickly. <laughs> so it's important to like run with your, not just your reputation and that initial wave of, um, oh, exciting, you're shifting gears, but then to try to really cultivate the energy and then run with something new and, and build up a reputation instead of just your, your, your name right off the bat. Cause it, it just gets so quickly swept under. Not the rug. That sounds like a downplay, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You were able to like separate your identity and your name from just being a ski racer. It sounds like. Yeah, and and I I was a bit forced into that in the last few years. Like before, when I was when I was on the Canadian team, then um, I obviously had a really different experience than going independently. So I feel like my transition started three years ago, where I started to accumulate skills that. I didn't necessarily need prior and so that help is really helping now with real life and how you um time manage and and you know stop taking naps every day and all that kind of stuff so yeah I think I think it's become really important to to run with with what I gained in the last few years but really then add some education add some experiences add some huge info search by asking everybody and anybody what their day in the life looks like and and then being really selective about how I use my time you know the freedom is almost the daunting thing now I can do anything that I'd like to do and now it's just important to be really selective and and actually start shedding things that I've done once or twice I'm not quite keen on or try to reconfigure it so that I'm, I'm starting to really hone in on things that I know I'm excelling at and I'm good at and then, you know, touch on the weaknesses as well, but, but try to go down some avenues that are worth with my while because that you, I could easily, as an opportunistic person, I could easily say yes to everything. Just jump on everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 What, what was the, so I'm sort of vaguely aware of the timeline, but so you retired just over right. or under a year? Yeah, ago? just under a year. Um, was, the, like, how big was that change and was there, 
this, this is like a dramatic way of putting it, but was there almost like a grieving process? Like after... <laughs> That's not dramatic no. at all. It's completely <laughs> dramatic <laughs> and grieving okay. uh, is a huge thing. I, I think I've, I've read a lot of articles. I've tried to use the resources offered to us and 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 then all these old teammates of mine that, that, that did this transition years ago. And everyone says, you know, I guess in, in life in general, if one big thing changes, like your salary changes or you're, um, you, you're mourning the loss of somebody or you change towns or, you know, all these things are, are big. And I guess I can relate that a lot of things changed at once, you know, like I got to be a housewife and I am rooted here in Collingwood and I have a, I mean, salary comes from a different place now and, you know, all these changes. And then like hormonally, I was addicted to adrenaline for like 12 years and now I drive fairly fast, but that's about all I can say for what blows my hair back. And so all these changes at once are definitely dramatic. You said the right word. Um, and then, and then dealing with the loss of that entire life. Like I went over to Europe and as soon as I got on the train in Switzerland, I just started crying a little bit because I, and I thought, and I didn't expect it because I feel like I'm pretty happy and, you know, <laughs> enjoying this transition. And I knew, no, I made the right decision at the right time. But I think it was this sense of, wow, you know, I know where to get my nails done and I know how to, where the coffee shop is and I know how to navigate Zurich airport extremely well and uh, where to pick up creams that are only sold in, in Switzerland and not in Germany. And so all this little knowledge, it sounds silly and like nothing, but it, but it was something that I built up over the years and became a bit of an asset, you know, and is actually sometimes a little bit useless here in my, you know, hometown or in my province here so it felt familiar to be back there and I think that that's something that I'd like to hold on to a little bit closer than I did I thought that I had to really let go of all that but really there's a family over there there's you know friends and network a network and and old partners of mine like all these all these even professional places I can go in Europe or abroad that that also help me feel confident about what I built up over those years because it's, it's too sad to just throw it all away and pretend sure. it didn't happen and sure. and there's no need for that yeah having like spread out so much and traveled so much and gained assets from all different areas of the world was it hard to kind of come back home and call it home or like does it, does it still feel like home in Collingwood or well, that, that's the thing I was really excited about because, you know, I was such a nomad. I lived in Toronto, Calgary, um, Europe. And so this has always felt like home to me, but it's been home in passing. I mean, I've done like the five minute coffees with people and seen my family really all over the place, not necessarily just here. So I was really excited to get a home and, and, you know, go to the same grocery store every other day and, and do that kind of thing. And so having laid that groundwork, as soon as I came home, I did that pretty quickly and it, and it, and it felt right. You know, it feels nice to be rooted and, and, and that is one of the sacrifices, you know, for an athlete. Um, so yeah, no, I, I really am happy. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't think of a better place to call home. This place is like 
bigger and more, uh, there's more opportunity here than I even realized when I was dipping in and out of here for the last 10 years. So it's for totally four season. And like I went on the Beaver river for the first time last summer and that's just so embarrassing, but it's true. And, uh, you know, getting out for mountain biking and hiking. I mean, obviously anyone listening has a, has a clear idea of how great this area is to call home. For sure. I think there's always that kind of effect. I find that whenever you travel and or you meet a traveler in your own city and they start telling you about all the stuff that they're doing. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah, like, I need to hit that. That's here? Like, okay, I should do that for yeah. sure. Yeah, so, I just got to have the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you've kind of touched on this already, but if you can kind of directly ask the question, what has ski racing given you and what has it taken away in terms of, I can imagine just off the top of my head, you know, time, cost, just missing out on other things perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, and you do you do miss out. I mean, it, it's so positive, and you learn that. I, I mean, I'm mentoring some of these younger girls and trying to tell them like, you know, the experience is so worth it. But it is hard. You, you from an early age, like in high school, you start choosing the other side of the fork, you know, in the road, and you start opting out of parties so that you can ski race and you don't make the decision so black and white sometimes, but, but early on it starts to become those little like weekends turn into a season, turn into a couple of years where you're not building those friendships. You're not building those girls nights and like, you know, very normal things for a lot of 28 year olds now. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think, I think what it's given to me, but and maybe we need to do another podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> another time. No, I mean, um, <laughs> the skills, like, when I walk into a room, I feel differently now than I did 10 years ago. And I, I'm sure most people could agree to that statement. But for me, that's probably the best way to explain it because I've always felt like a really observant person. And I, I liked actually not talking much and just taking everything in. And um, I didn't talk much throughout school. I just kept my head down and worked hard. But now we're doing podcasts. Now we're doing podcasts. But the whole the whole experience of going independent specifically in the last few years and taking control of my situation and actually having a chance, a tiny window of opportunity to take control of my situation. I mean, I was fortunate with that. Um, and then run the show for myself. It really showed me a different side of my personality that I'm not sure I would have tapped. Like I'm kind of a firm, a firm believer in the fact that we get these tools when we're born or whatever, somewhere along the way. And if they're not used, they just kind of rust and they're kind of there, but they're, they haven't been used. So they're not even that familiar in our hands and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But th- these last few years pushed me so uncomfortably into corners <laughs> that I was forced to learn about different sides of myself. That's really helpful now. I mean, I said that before, but um, I don't know you never know, but I don't know what situation, if not so complicated and, and desperate kind of, um, would have taught me what I'm capable of. So in the sense of what sport gave me, I mean, it, it definitely gave me a lot more, and I don't want to say confidence, but just tools to tackle this kind of, this unknown at 28 now, you know, and what I'm going to do for the next 10 years and, and what I'm going to sink my teeth into. So, um, and then what it took away, I mean, the sacrifice started early, like I said, with with friendships and relationships and whatever is normal. You know, I didn't go to university and then slowly like veer away from my parents as an independent woman 
I mean, I called home up until last year asking for help. So, you know, it's, it's very different in that sense with your emotional development and that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't think that there's ever, uh, it's ever too late, but, but the reality is most of my closest friends are in Sweden <laughs> or Italy or Switzerland yeah. or Norway, or, you know, those kind of things. So if that means I need to, um, jump on a flight to have a, a good time, then it may have to be like that for a couple of years, but it's, but it's a great feeling. And to go back to Switzerland was a nice a nice reminder of, of that entire family that I do have. Yeah. Yeah. Talking back to two things you said, you mentioned how being forced into, you know, kind of that uncomfortable zone, you've really found what you're capable of. Do you find now having been forced in these situations that you're actually seeking out uncomfortable <laughs> situations to like get that same effect? Yeah, it's almost sick. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's weird. It's weird, but yeah. I get it. But I, but honestly, I feel fairly confident that I could go down a path that's, that's secure and safe and I could probably make some good money. And, and, and that's a good feeling to have, I, you know, obviously everything's still unknown, but that's something I feel confident. What I don't feel confident about is how quickly and where exactly I'll find the right challenge. And I've been so positively positively rewarded for for having challenges and figuring out ways of overcoming them that for sure yeah it's it's a it crosses my mind where can I find that next avenue that's going to almost push me over the edge but not quite yeah. you know and so yeah it's a challenge to even seek those out but um I think the only way to be like highly stimulated in this next phase is to keep finding out information talking to people and finding a way to jump on board something that I'm almost too rookie for, yeah. you know, and then just work like how to get to a place where I was valuable to the team. And, and I'm still seeking that out. I mean, I'm, I definitely bit off this motivational speaking thing now and some mentoring with some youth in the area. And that's really rewarding for me. I'm taking my MBA online too. So that's uh, plenty busy, but I've just started to kind of open my, my blinders a little bit in a sense that some projects with some old brands that I was affiliated with could be a really good fit for me in, in um, using kind of my experience as well as challenging me in a huge way, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, mentorship was the other thing I wanted to come back to. What's what's that like? Mentor, are you mentoring kids locally? Or yeah, yeah. That? Well, there's a few different ways. Like sometimes we just sit on Skype or FaceTime and and chat but I've been out on the hill as well with some of the kids and and uh, sometimes being active is a little bit easier for both parties because yeah. we're we're doing the thing we love while we while we chat but it I, it's not a role that I um I don't pretend to be a sports psychologist or a life coach no, or anything no. but um it's very fun to use some of my experience and shed some light on some of their problems and and in, in all reality and their problems are very much the same problems I had when I was just retiring like you know the unfamiliar situation of being fearful you know um, doing things anyway you know failing 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 over and over and then and then continuing to go I mean it's nice for me to be able to say look now that we both had the same problem and you and you're you know 12 years younger than me 
why don't we try to figure out tools and take responsibility for our situations and figure out how to manage these situations instead of um, let's hope they never happen again. Right. And and that even that applies to adults too. I mean, I do these corporate events and the reality is I, I can't be preachy to a bunch of people who have lived a lot longer than I have, but I do try to hone in on the fact that it's not that we should wish these situations don't happen anymore, but that we acquire tools that make it actually kind of interesting and fun to, you know, get our hands dirty and then figure out how to do it again in a, in a better way. These kids are awesome, though. They're so smart. They're so aware. Yeah. And you can give them anything and, and then you can give them probably three more things the next day. So they're keen and energetic and, it, you know, it's not, it's fun to see almost myself in these kids, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, and, and tell them what's going to stay the same actually, and that they should just settle <laughs> into and, uh, and what they can actually control. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you have a pretty unique perspective too. So like, even, even if you're talking to people that are older, like sure age plays a role, but that unique perspective is pretty valuable as well. I think. Oh my gosh. And, and I see it like now I, now I live it because I live really differently than I did yeah. before. And, and I see how difficult it is to take a l- tiny little step out of your comfort zone. And, you know, sometimes it's just in the morning, you know what, I should put my running shoes on because if I put those slippers on, <laughs> I'm going to stay on the couch the entire day and study. Oh. So it's tiny things like that. But actually when I was in St. Moritz, I related it to this, we were standing on a jump and, you know, everyone's looking at the launch, the trajectory that you needed to go off the jump with the right direction. And I thought, this is so, actually so applicable to life and every decision we're handed. If you just change the tra- trajectory by like one degree, it makes such a huge difference down the road. You know, you can take the safe line and you'll have tons of room to land and then continue the race. You can do that every time. But like to just change the trajectory by one or two degrees and be a little more risky and then kind of deal with where you land and be resilient and like act on the fly and be instinctual. It gives you such a cool perspective in it. And even if you don't make the gate, you know, wow, okay, I tried it. I see the limit now. Like I'll, I'll reel it in a little bit, but it's, I'm really glad that now I have a chance to see what it's like in your day to day when, you know, you do have to be at work at nine or, you know, things like that and how to make those little changes so that things stay really progressive and really interesting. That's a cool analogy. I'm going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned your MBA and your speaking engagements. What's, let's talk a bit more about that. What, how's the MBA going? How, what, how far along are you? Oh, I'm brand, brand spanking new. Brand spanking new. <laughs> I'm like two down of nine courses. Okay. So, um, you mentioned the exam coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing, currently taking organizational behavior and I find myself complaining because when I was a student last, like 10 years ago, it's just what everyone did. I hate school and I don't like exams, Sure. but the reality is like, I'm very glad to be in this master's program and it's very relevant i'm definitely my own case study so Mm. it's it's a quick complaint and then a reality that realization that it's it's really it's not just educational it's really important for me to be putting a stamp on my experience for me i'm proud of the academic side of all this and going down this path and it's i'm uh i mean i'm self-disciplined so the whole self-paced 
side of um, studying is fine for me. But um, yeah, it's, it's just been really effective to, you know, I took marketing right out of the gate and it was really helpful getting my speaking business going. And, and so I'm happy to, to have the flexibility still, like everything I'm putting back in my life is super flexible so that I can, you know, go down any one path and either keep going down it or, or turn it off. And I don't have to have too much structure which is a huge part of the transition as well. Yeah, that's a big change for sure. <laughs> yeah. That's cool that you get to apply it right away though. I think like that's... Yeah, that's... I think that's the goal. And I do know that by doing MBA correspondence, you know, people say the best part about your MBA is the network you come out with. Mm. And I've started, you know, like, there's some online tutorials and I've started to meet up with some people outside of the classroom, so to speak. But, um, but yeah, I, I still appreciate, I have a network that's really healthy from ski racing and to then apply the academic side to what I might be able to offer, you know, in, in a future situation is it, it's all, it's all a good fit. Was the public speaking thing, one of the kind of things that you push yourself outside of your comfort zone? Like, was that daunting to... Yeah, I said no right away. I, said, oh, I, really? had somebody, I had somebody kind of put it in my lap. Like, there was some demand coming in, and then I had somebody, um, Jim Carroll, he's a member at the Peaks. He, he's done made a life of, of public speaking and motivation and future trends and everything that he touched on. And so he said, you know, you really should do this. And I thought... Nah, I'm an introvert. <laughs> I'm a total introvert. This is not going to be a fit. And then a couple months went by and there was, I don't want to say great demand, but there was enough there that I could, I knew I could run with it if, if I made the, made the move. So yeah, leap is a better word for it because it, it was not my cup of tea. I mean, I, I joke sometimes in speeches that in sixth grade I did my speech on how much I dislike public speaking <laughs> and the effects on the body of being nervous and it was a really good one and I made it far but I said like no thank you I, I don't want to do this and so now to like be making a career of it is a little bit ironic yeah. <laughs> but maybe those are those that well that's that addiction that I'm that I have for challenging situations and adrenaline and all that good stuff so it, it is a good fit now for um, relating the the ski life and preparing for performing under pressure like all those are great great qualities to keep um, honing yeah. yeah what's um like where did this kind of entrepreneurial spirit come from like were, were you always like that were you like setting up lemonade stands were you, <laughs> no. were you that kid or is that no. just evolved with you um I guess um, my parents are both chiropractors, so that profession in itself is somewhat entrepreneurial in the sense that you've got to build up clientele and be present in the community, and and so they probably taught me about small business and that kind of avenue from a, or from an early age, and and not consciously, but just them coming home and talking about problems from work and what's happening at the clinic and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I didn't necessarily aspire to be a chiropractor. I think just I was fortunate in those early stages when it looked like it was going to be a dead end for me in ski racing to then consult with this family of mine, which is two chiropractors and a sales guy and a film guy. So like we pretty much have everything covered. And um, I said, look, guys, like I remember sending the email. I said, this is the news I have. Please don't overreact. <laughs> but uh, I'll be home soon. I was on a holiday when I 
when I uh, found out that this was going to be a dead end. So then we kind of tackled it in an entrepreneurial way in a sense that we had a clean slate. We, I mean, I say we, at the end of the day, like I had to be the one to pull the trigger, but you know, you need close knit support from, from the beginning. And, and then every obstacle we had, um, I had, I felt okay about doing a pros and cons and deciding what was best for me. And I try to tell that to parents and, and kids around here too. And when they're, when they're wondering what step to take next is like, you have every tool to decide what's best for you and the environment that's most fun and invigorating and, and maybe cost efficient and all of that. So I think sometimes there is a, there is a draw towards what everyone else did all, all the time before. And, and that's like, I, that's why I'm grateful that I got shoved into this corner because it actually just re, um, erased everything that I was used to. So then it created a kind of set a tone where I needed to address each situation accordingly. And that's maybe where the entrepreneurial spirit was ignited because I had to, and then I started loving it and really taking on like how to be efficient, merging with other countries for efficiencies and, and like just even fundraising and how to go about the most effective events and how to cater to taking care of them and what I could offer and all those kinds of things. There was no time to take my MBA quickly and decide what was best. It was just a whole bunch of trial and error. It was a lot of like dropping the ego and asking people as my sponsor, what would you like to see more of? Or when would you like to hear from me less? Would you like to hear from me more? You know, can I jet down to Toronto or would you like to come on a trip? Like all those different questions, but you have to, leave your ego at the door completely in a situation like that and just know, okay, I'm not trying to fool you. I'm not trying to pretend that I know how to speak business. I'm just, I just have a whole bunch of passion and here's what I want to do. What can, you know, what can we do? And, and so I wasn't an entrepreneurial spirit alone for me. I didn't do the lemonade stands, but I had a lot of help and a lot of guidance and I was open to the help. Very important. Yeah. Part of that, I think. I think, a lot of people kind of have this like romanticized idea of like uh, the word entrepreneur is tossed out a lot these days. I don't yeah. know it's like pop culture, just like in movies or like the Hollywood effect. But I think people don't really understand like what being an entrepreneur really means and the amount of like dog work and leaving your ego at the door, like you said. So what does being an entrepreneur or that just that word in general mean to you? Like if you were to define it, I guess. I think spirit is a good word to follow it with because it, it's not, it's not a job. It's yeah. to me, it wasn't a job. It wasn't, you know, cut out. There was no structure. It was just, um, all these moving parts, a ton of weaknesses, a few strengths and um, an end goal, you know, and, and mine was to be one of the best in the world at something. And I couldn't have done that. I needed to be the engine running and the ball didn't roll by any means. Like the ball moved, but mostly backwards. And then I'd like shove it really hard and then would slowly move forward, but probably move back if I took a nap, you know? So it was, you have to be that ball. You have to be completely in charge of all the moving parts so that, so that it's always got a bit of momentum. And, and I think, you know, being an entrepreneur, you rely on a lot of people, but, 
I'm going to say that most of those people are directly affected by it working or not working. You've got to drive. You are. Yeah. You are completely directly affected by the success or failure of the of the ball, yeah. you know? So I think that's when I started to realize, I, I got, I don't want to say burned, but I got taught really early on too many times that, you know, I trusted certain people that I, that I thought I, ha- I could trust because I was not given any reason not to. And then, and then the, you know, proverbial rug gets pulled out from underneath you and you think, I shouldn't have done that. Like, why did I leave it? leave it for someone else and and only a few times and I remember that I can list them on one hand like would I kind of delegate and then it would work better than I could have done myself but th- my entrepreneurial situation didn't blossom into like a, a foolproof structure where everything ran at a certain point I just I just pushed it and then I and then I stopped it when health got in the way you know but um, I can only really speak on my own but I just think you have to be the engine in a huge way Mm-hmm. And you can't possibly be prepared for how, what direction it goes. You just have to roll with it. Roll with the punches. <laughs> yeah. 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 So what's, uh, what are you up to these days? You're now a ski TV host. Is that yeah. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, started doing a bit of TV hosting and, yeah. um, with all your spare time. With all the <laughs> spare time. Yeah. It's just a few shows a year right now. So okay. it's kind of a, a dream job in a sense that I get to, get my ski fix a little bit abroad and and um actually get to introduce people and viewers to the tourist side of these little mountain towns um i get to do a little bit of skiing and that's great but i'll also get to show them like where they can take their kids when they come to a town or what other activities you can do to play outside so i i'm enjoying that side of it and and uh, and then yeah, me- mentorship keeps me busy, and speaking is giving me my travel fix too as well. So yeah, I, I think it's a good mix right now, and I'm and I'm just starting some conversations with brands like Spider and Pock, and you know some old really natural relationships I've had for a while, and seeing seeing what's possible there. So it's it's exciting. It's it's yeah. like I said, it's daunting. The freedom is not what I'm used to, but I'm trying to let that be the challenge in itself that I can actually do whatever I want. And the challenge is to find what that is. What keeps you like, what keeps you motivated these days? You're saying, you know, if you put on the slippers, you're just going to be <laughs> right off the day. I can relate to that for sure. But like, what, what makes you not make that decision to stay in? Well, priorities change completely. You know, if I have an exam coming up, then going to the gym or heading into the forest for a hike, it's, it's, challenging to prioritize you know so um but i have to say i have a heli ski trip coming up in march a re- bit of a retirement trip because i put that put that off for a while and that is completely enough to get me in the gym again <laughs> so um, i had this kind of bittersweet relationship with staying fit for a while because it was just so painful for a while and i had another knee surgery before i retired so i i wasn't really enjoying being in the gym but i'm really happy to be um, to be back in with tons of uh, motivation and energy again. And honestly, you just need to plant that carrot in front of your nose. And then, and for me, it's a, it was plenty to just put, book the flight. And now I'm, now I'm in every day. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Where are you going? I'm going to Selkirk Tangiers in near Revelstoke. Awesome. I cannot wait. I, I got the, I'd never been heli skiing before this past um, week in St. Moritz. 
and we went for one run and I, I actually after one turn I was like I get it like yep I got it, it. <laughs> yeah. I will be doing this in the, the near future that's cool yeah it's on my bucket list for sure yeah <laughs> we just played ping pong before this episode are there other sports that you've been like getting <laughs> no, into just ping pong just ping pong she's training all day <laughs> Other sports. I mean, I I just took up cross country skiing this past oh, yeah. winter, and uh, and I actually love it because I'm I still love the snow, but it's a little more private, I guess, or introspective in a sense, mm-hmm. um, which is a key thing for me these days through this transition. But um, yeah, and and I'm, I'm sure in the summer I'll, I did lots of road biking last summer, and I will again this summer. I mean, this area has so much to offer, like yeah. paddle boarding. I'd love to do more of and. And uh, now, well, now that I know this table's here, I, you got to start training because I, I need training. you. So yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit frustrated with my performance. <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah. Well, we're uh, approaching our typical time. Is there anything else <laughs> while you're on a podcast you want to get out to the world? Um, I don't think so. I think you know. I just read this article, and then since I'm an athlete that's supposed to go through this retirement, it's. I just read an article about how you're supposed to do it and and it's interesting to hear all these other perspectives but it at the end of the day it's just hard and and I think it, we owe it to ourselves as athletes to be selective but at the same time like you know you can talk to a hundred therapists and a hundred of them might not have any clue what it's like yeah and so and it's not to downplay the role of a therapist but to upplay how difficult it is to mourn the loss of what was a marriage it really was you know so I'm I'm uh, I guess I apologize in in advance for anyone who I've like turned down opportunities for or whatever that's just me trying to navigate my way through this (laughs) next step and and make sure that I put things in that are totally authentic and and feel right for me but it's changing it's changing every minute (laughs) Well, everyone's different too. Everyone deals with that stuff. Yeah, exactly. So it's hard to you know, read an article Preach. about yeah, that. It is. No, you're right. Yeah, articles are helpful, but you have to read about 35 of them to maybe yeah have one hit home. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you. Thank you for coming. <laughs> My pleasure. Mark. I see you put the share. It's like life goes through a chair in your in your stance. Oh my god, you see the backflip? Who's <laughs> <laughs> hiding that shot? Yeah, you cheater. <laughs>